What's up, everybody? Project Delta here. Uh, Coach Peter here. Coach Connor on the other side. Uh, we are here for another check-in and kind of just conversation about bodybuilding stuff and our off-seasons as usual. Um, I'm coming off of traveling yet again. Every one of my Tuesdays in the last uh, two Tuesdays, so two, have been um, uh, piggybacking off of getting back from travel. So last time it was the Arnold. This time I was in Washington State. I was I was close to your border, just on the opposite side. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I was actually really really close to Canada. Um, Bellingham North or Bellingham, Washington is uh, very north in Washington. So um, I spent a, a week there uh, working at a brewery there, uh, more shadowing and interning. Uh, so I was just kind of watching a larger production facility go to work. Um, and I had that plan for uh, several weeks, so I knew I was going. Um, I did some things right, some things wrong when it came to like nutrition and training when I was going there. Uh, so I figured uh, one of the things we can talk about at the end is kind of like, um, you know, methods and stuff like that um, for, you know, training, nutrition, traveling, bodybuilding, or strength training. It really doesn't matter too much, but kind of kind of figuring that all out. Um, but I had a fantastic week. Connor, how was your week? My, uh, my past few weeks have been pretty good. They've been pretty boring. You know, I'm definitely not traveling. I'm here still in Canada. We're still getting snow. Uh, we still got a big, um, big uh, bit of snow this this weekend here. Um, although the, the temperatures are leveling off, you know, we're staying about minus minus one zero. Occasionally, afternoon going up to three. So it's 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 good. We're we're close to spring. You know, we're getting there. But um, my my weeks have been going good. Um, I think where I left off the last update was I was increasing my calories. So. I, I stuck with that, you know, uh, I'd say, you know, the face is getting a little bit more filled out uh, as the months progress into this off season and my body weight has crept up to about 193 all the way up to some days 195. The odd day, maybe I'm a little bit lighter 192, but you know, in, in that range, which it, which is up from what it was before. Uh, and man, I've been, I've been in a good rhythm, man. Like I just noticed the other day, like I'm getting to sleep every time the air at the same time every night i've been waking up at the same time every day uh i'm just eating the same foods every day uh and the training's been going well and in regards to training i actually realized um the last training setup i had made in the atp trainerize app i was almost due to my time i actually didn't even realize but i put it for eight weeks uh and i realized that eight weeks had just kind of crept up in me like that and i've been kind of going over some changes in my head of some things i wanted to do and I decided to change up my split a little bit and change a few exercises here and there. Um, so the big joke of the program was I named it after my friend, uh, Malcolm. So the program's called Big Like Malcolm uh, because, you know, we, we always like to joke around in the DMs and, you know, um, you know we're, we're just, we're completely joking, but, you know, Malcolm will say things to me. He's like, man, if everyone trained like me, they'd all be bigger or, <laughs> or something like that. So I was just like, you know, I'm going to do Malcolm's program and get big, big like Malcolm, right? So nice. Ba basically, it's the same split he's doing and has been doing for a while. And it's a split I uh, did actually right off the end of my contest prep, got away from it for a while, decided to come back to it um, for a few reasons, which maybe I'll talk about here. But it's basically training chest and back together, um, two different workouts, you know, twice in the week. So two chest and back days um two lag days so more of a quad focused lag day on one day and then another day that's more like deadlift focused uh posterior posterior leg focused and then uh on my thursday which is uh my last day during the week and then i of course i have the day off friday but thursday i do a delt and arm day uh which is uh that's something that will i've done before but when i did it after my prep i didn't stick with it for too long so I'm going to try and get into a little bit of a better run with that. So that's something I haven't had much experience with. I've done lots of like upper lower type splits where it's like chest and back is the focus, but not so much like uh, just a delts and arms day on their own. So it should, it, it should be interesting, but I think it's going to be cool to kind of just have a day where I get to kind of get these kind of accessory movements done for delts and arms that are a little bit more like single arm focused. So I can kind of just knock those out in one day and then, the other day as I'm training a little bit more bilaterally for the most part. Um, yeah. If, uh, if you remember, I have like that half day, um, yes, I've yeah. got a five and a half day. Yeah. And that was exactly why I added the, uh, the arms and then like cable crunches. It's just like, I wanted to have, you know, you know, a little one day to focus on just kind of like that silly little accessory work or single arm stuff where it's like, 
it's, it's a movement that I just couldn't find time to fit into my program. Like otherwise, cause it was like a single arm. It was long. It would like fill up my day too much. I was just like, I'll just throw in like two quick exercises and then some abs on, on that half day. And I actually really been enjoying the, you know, the freedom to go in there and just really hit arms just really hard for a couple sets. Yeah. For, for some reason, it just makes more sense in my head to do that for whatever reason to kind of have this, this kind of almost, it's almost like an accessory day where you're just putting in these things. It's like, you know, like the delts and arms, like, do they really have anything to do with each other? Like, you know, I guess, you know, actually, I saw, so I saw the post Pascal made and uh, James, James called him out. He's like, well, you know, like your, your delts and arms, it's all your arm, your arm, your delt is part of your arm. <laughs> right. But, um, but it's, it's just a, a cool, a cool way to manage it. And, you know, I'm sure it will be enjoyable. Um, it, it's a good chance for me to get some bicep training into when I'm fresh, uh, which is something I've been trying to, you know, focus on the last few years. Um, and I was pretty happy too. I hit some decent numbers, um, just on some basic dumbbell curls where I'm sitting on the back of a preacher bench just to kind of get some support on the back of my arm. And I was able to do, um, 40 pound dumbbells for a set of eight, a set of eight, and then a set of nine the other day. So that that's like been creeping up steadily. So I was pretty happy with that. Cause at first, you know, doing those dumbbell curls at the earlier in my off season, they were like sets of like, you know, six sets of six to seven. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it's slow, it's steady, but you know, it's, it's creeping up over time. So it's, it's, it's a good response to see. Yeah. I've, uh, I've been noticing something similar with my lateral raises and we actually talked about this not too long ago. It's like, cause I mean, I've, I've, I've always had pretty strong delts. So like I, with dumbbells, I'd gotten to like 40 pound lateral raises at some point with not, not much body swing. So like, you know, it, that's actually quite heavy, especially for my body weight, but like, and then I would just cycle down and then go back up again. Sure. And then I, I was there forever, forever. Yeah. And I really wouldn't even want to go heavier for a dumbbell lateral raise. Cause it was stupid. It was so heavy. Right. But, um, now that I've got the, I've been doing the, like behind the back cable lateral raises, um, it just progression has been really, really feeling excellent. So like, I feel the tension, I'm feeling stronger week to week. I'm getting like progression there and it's just like it feels smooth throughout the whole movement and i've really just been enjoying like you know feeling a very like very straightforward linear progression or at least mostly linear it might be a little bit of a double progression kind of like the way i do it but uh, you know kind of the same thing where i'm really getting to focus on that muscle group and it's really just been just glorious to feel like very straightforward progress where i never really expected to see it because lateral races are kind of notorious for being oh yeah you do like 20 to 30 pounds for your whole life right and see that's I don't, I don't want to be one of these you know new age people that like trashes the basics or whatever but I just I, I from the way my mind works like I struggle to see the benefit of like a dumbbell lateral raise if you can have a cable set up like I just feel like it's just such a good amount of tension through a longer range of motion and I mean if you really want to make it so like you're doing short muscle lengths first, you know, you could do the dumbbell first and then the cable second. Like I, I, I could see the application there, but I feel like if you only have one shot, you got one medial delt movement. Like I just, I haven't found anything that's, that's better than the cable. I, I've seen some people like Alberto, for instance, sit on his side and do a dumbbell on the, on, on a, on a bench to get at more of a long muscle length, which is a kind of a cool modification if you didn't have cables. Right. But yeah, yeah. my experience has been similar to you. It's like since starting to do those more um, consistently, there's been pretty easy progression on it. I, I wouldn't say, well, it's it's slow, but it's been consistent. And it's been like, you know, even you know, sometimes with the cable stuff, you get to get creative, like just, you know, pinning, depending on what kind of stuff you have, you could pin like a 2.5 pound plate to it, right? And that may, maybe you'll be on the same plate for a while, but you can add a 2.5, um, you know, little plate to it and then a five pound plate and then eventually, eventually you're ready to go up to the next cable stack, whichever your system is. But if you get creative yeah, with it, I've got plate loaded so I can micro load the shit out of it. All I have to do is buy a 1.25 pound plate. and Boom. I got it. That's amazing. And I, I even bought, I haven't, I didn't use them quite as much as I thought I would, but I bought these like, you know, half pound plates from Bells of Steel. Uh, just, just in case I ever feel like, you know, that's going to be a better progression to take on something, or if I'm doing something that's extremely light, that's on a cable, you know, that's a pretty easy way to get to still, you know, a little bit extra loading on there. Um, yeah. so, but you were, uh, you were actually going to talk about or continue talking. And then I interrupted with the oh, it, um, bicep curls. Yeah. Oh, sorry. With the lateral raises. 
Yeah, I, I think the point that was on my head too is I, I think I had said in the last podcast that um, with some of my chest training, I was getting away from doing the pause. Um, and I told myself I was going to do pauses and I did that for two weeks and I was just really honest with myself afterwards. It was not a good experiment. Like, I mean, it was it was good to to um, re- reel myself back, but after two weeks of not pausing stuff, the stimulus was just obviously not as good. Uh, I didn't feel the disruption in the muscle like I was before. And it just felt like on a set per set basis, I was getting more fatigue and less stimulus. So it was kind of good timing that I wanted to switch programs here. Or it was time to, because now on week one of this program, I did my chest and back uh, first workout of the week today. And I got that chance to really just, you know, make all the presses perfect. Uh, and it, it, it felt great. You know, I get to cycle in um, a machine in my gym that's been there for a while, but I haven't used it um, for a bit, but it's a uh, paramount converging chest press machine. So it really mm-hmm. converges aggressively. So I kind of set it up. So I'm, um, you know, fairly tucked at the bottom, but then it comes, you know, right around, it gets pretty short. And like, you know, you see like something like say a hammer strength machine, but they only converge, you know, mildly, I would say compared to this, that really comes around and really loads that short position. Uh, felt great to have a nice pause in the stretch and then a pause in the contraction too. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's something this, this week that, um, I'm really looking forward to is just resetting all those getting, you know, great form in that. And as well too, my gym finally, fix some of their machines up too because there's some machines that kind of benefit from having like a seat belt set up for stability so one of them most notably was our our seated dip machine so that's one that really kind of like pushes you pushes you away if you want if you want to use it so they finally after having the seat belt broken for like three or four years they just what one day the the manager um he's uh, his name's jim everyone calls him jim from the gym he, one day I just watched him, you know, put like three seatbelts on these machines within the span of like 20 minutes. And I was like, sweet, we're back in business. So that's another one I got to use today was the seated dip machine and made it to kind of like a, a lower pack type press by leaning forward a little bit. That felt mm-hmm. so good. So natural. It was just, it was like plug it in play. It's a, it's a, it's a pin loaded machine. You just put the pin in you. Um, it's really easy to get set up there and you're super stable. And it just felt great to just kind of train that motion with a bunch of stability. Right. Um, so that's another one I'm kind of excited to have in the program now. Yeah. That's one of the movements I miss a lot. I used to really, really, really love dips and I just haven't really been able to find a good way to do that in my gym. I probably just need to buy the, the Titan ones that go into the center of the rack yeah. and then come out. Cause I can't do the ones that are stationed on each arm because that's, I'll be yeah. like rubbing my elbow against the other, other side of my, uh, like gym. Um, but I used to really, really love dips, either tricep dips or kind of like a forward lean pec based dip. Yeah. Um, but tricep dips were my jam because I actually I think I was, I weighed 155 and I did a, a double body weight dip for a triple. So I think I got uh, nice. 155 pounds and then, you know, 155 loaded as well. It was like 45, 45, 45, and a bunch of tens. But I'll, I'll never forget that. I absolutely love dips. And I, I guess I have healthy, robust shoulders, so like they yeah. never affect me in, in a negative way, which is why I love them. I always enjoyed the movement myself too. I can I can tell you a funny story too. When I was in my ghetto gym during the COVID times, um, this is in my dad's like old basement basically, and there's these like two uh, dresser drawers that are approximately the same height, right? <laughs> so I end up pushing them next to each other so they're kind of in like a bit of a v formation and i had two perfect push-up handles and i was able to just get my body you know just in enough position where i could lean forward a little bit and get a dip off those two dresser drawers (laughs) because they were approximately the same height but (laughs) you know rather than buying actual dip stands or whatever that was my solution because i didn't think the pandemic was going to last forever thankfully i was correct but um, (laughs) yeah It, that that was a, a getaway of doing them for sure. And it was fun. And I, I love the motion too. I really like having just a little bit of added stability with it. Um, I don't know if you ever, ever saw the um, uh, the Christoph, uh, Christoph Bangsgaard. Um, he does them where he is on, a, is on dip bars, but he puts his feet kind of backwards onto a bench uh, that's inclined, like the, the opposite end of an inclined bench and kind of supports the back of his legs that way to get a little bit more 
uh, stability, like another point of contact, basically, to kind of keep in the same motion for a while. Um, I've also like lost balance at the top with a massive load and been like, well, I, I'm going down. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's, 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 they're hard to stabilize, right? It, although I love the motion, the motion feels so natural to me. It always felt good. And I've, I've spent lots of time just doing free weight dips where I'm either adding chains to my neck or just doing um, weight, weight plates with, with, the, with the dip belt. They both feel great to me, um, but I really just, it's been a while since I've given this dip machine a spin and it's kind of like a viable option now since it has that seatbelt on. It was just, it's it, it's one of those things, man, like just super user-friendly experience. You just kind of, it's like plug it in play, like just put the seatbelt on and just rip on that thing and it doesn't take any time to set up. It's super convenient, right? Mm -hmm. I love stuff um, like I that. Before we move on, I guess, I wanted to talk about one of the movements I've been doing. And I think you actually started doing to um we both added um fuck what is it good mornings to our programs yes uh, yeah. not too long ago yes uh, yeah. and like i just i cannot be bothered to hold a bar in my hands for romanian deadlifts because i just wanted a posterior chain something that hit my glutes and hands maybe my upper back or upper and lower back and so i i, I opted for good mornings because i've got i love it with a safety squat bar um and i just really like how i just like loading my shoulders if I have to load my hands like a deadlift or, you know, a deadlift, I hate it. Uh, like pull-ups, don't like them. I have to load my hands. I don't know why. But um, I've been really loving the good mornings, and I really missed them because I was um, – I don't really do it with a straight bar because uh, I go so as deep as I do uh, with, the, with a standard bar. It's kind of a nightmare, um, so I wouldn't really do that. So I wasn't able to do them last week, so I'm very excited to get back to doing um, my deep-ass good mornings um, this Thursday. And just I just can't wait. Yeah, you you do get really deep. You're definitely getting maybe you just have more available hip flexion than me, or maybe you're just you're just <laughs> you're just going for it a little bit harder. But I I feel like I'm getting a few less degrees flexion than, than you are. Um, but um, but it's it's been a good movement for me too, and I've been enjoying doing it with the safety bar. Um, I don't know why I did it with the safety bar. I guess it's just I felt it would be more comfortable maybe. But I didn't even try it with the straight bar. I just re went right into the safety bar. Um. And it, those have been those have been progressing well for me too. Um, those um, I think I got two twenty five for a few sets of eleven the other day. I have to check my logbook, but um, oh, nice. yeah, those. I mean, the, and those were very uh, very untrained motion um, coming off the back end of contest prep. I think I did like a twenty five pound plate per side the first session, uh, and of course it was done like the end of the workout, fatigued and obviously haven't put a barbell on my back in a long time, but. Um, you know, mm -hmm. that's, it, it's been a good progression and they felt more steady. And I just, I find like, I've been like, I've been happy too, because I've just been feeling my posterior chain work a little bit better as a whole these last few months. It's been, it's something I was never really that good at, but I feel like I'm getting a little bit more handy with it now. So I, that's been something that's mm -hmm. been get, getting me excited as well too. Yeah. And it's a movement that I feel particularly well, like I, I, I get a, a little bit, it's like a unique type of soreness the next day where it's not, not extreme. Um, but like, I, like, I really feel like I worked my hamstrings and my glutes. I, I feel really good kind of like just post-training sensation there, AKA just a little bit of soreness. And I really just like how they feel. So it, it works well for me. Do you feel any like disruption or pump in your spinal erectors after doing them? Um, I, uh, I'll touch on disruption slightly. Um, at the absolute bottom, I feel like I might get a, a, a hair of like traction um just because like it feels like I, I like got like pulled like when i hang from a bar or something right right kind of right. that feeling yeah because uh, and if anyone wants to go back and see my my uh, good mornings it, it, it i do go very very low uh for a good morning so i'm basically uh shooting for parallel to the ground is my goal um so i got something set one inch above my hip height and that's just what i go to because otherwise it would be two inches below um but yeah, when I get that all the way down there, I really, really have to focus on keeping everything tight uh, or I, or it's just like a really weird spot for, for my spine. So, um, and not, it never feels bad. It just feels weird. Um, but um, as far as like feeling a lot of load on the spine itself or sorry, the erectors, um, no, not really. Um, it's so far below what my deadlift is that I don't know if, if I'm getting, and until I'm more proficient at the movement that I can load it closer to like 50, like 30 to 50% of my deadlift, max deadlift, I probably won't notice that too much. So right now I'm doing about one, 
was probably about 170 or 180 pounds, roughly in there, uh, with a good morning. Uh, safety squat bar, I didn't bother weighing it. So it's a plate on each side and then probably 70 pound bar. Yeah. Um, have you but, always um, have you always been able to get that deep in hinges? Like, could you do like deficit deadlifts and not have any backgrounding and stuff like that? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been okay. pretty. I mean, I used to have more rounding just because I didn't really care. That was my my technique. But right. Um, I've had very good hip hip range of motion. Um, and like just levering has been pretty good for me. But yeah, I've, I've found mine has always been not that great. Um. <laughs> And I, I'll be honest, I never really did much to try and improve it. I don't, I don't really know um, if there's much to be had there or much benefit um, to, do, to doing that. Or like, I, I kind of just felt like if I really gave that a shot and really spent a lot of time stretching and trying to access new ranges of motion, I might just end up wasting a lot of time. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. I, I could totally be wrong. Someone else might have a different perspective. They're like, no, it's valuable. It's worth it. But um, I always kind of just go with what I feel I can safely do and just try not to get thrown out too much of that range where like, and, and yeah, we, I mean, we just, we discussed this too. We know with the ATP guys with, you know, Jacob and James, we know some rounding is going to be acceptable. It's going to be fine. You're probably going to be all right. As long as you're tight and you're using the target muscles, like your hip extensors. Right. But um, yeah. And there, there may be some benefit to like spending that time and fixing it or air quote, I'm going to air quote fixing it. Um, but if, if, if that change doesn't, isn't like an outcome for performance that you really need, yeah, it's not really worth the squeeze. That, that's the thing, because I always get people like, I shouldn't say always, occasionally someone will be like, well, what do you do for stretching and mobility? And I was like, well, I just lift weights. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, you know, I'm functional enough for what I need to do with my sport, which is just be a bodybuilder, right? And there's a few poses here and there on stage where you have to kind of twist a little bit and have some mobility, but it's not like crazy high demands, right? So I'm not going to yeah. waste, I'm not going to waste ton, my tons of time on worrying about stuff that doesn't matter for my sport, right? So yeah, I found that there's, for me, uh, for strongman and for bodybuilding, and uh, there was some ninja stuff as well. I've, I mean, I, I've, I've always gone through very like deep ranges of motion for all of my, all of my exercises for for resistance training, and I, I really haven't come across any specific movements for me where I felt like my movement was limited by mobility. Um, and if there was something that was maybe on the edge, I would just kind of push my loaded, um, you know, my loaded range of motion a little bit further just to kind of get used to kind of going further with a load. So presumably I would be a little bit more mobile without a load as well. That's not exactly true, but it, it probably translate to a small percentage. Um, yeah. but yeah, I like, I'm mobile enough for my sport. So I have no, no interest in going any further. Yeah. I, I, I think too, like one of the most common things we see where there's, maybe a bit of a restriction in terms of the training effect is like get just getting deep enough on a squat in which case you know i i, I could see some benefit to working on like ankle and hip mobility a little bit but then i'm just like just give them some wedges or give them a pair of olympic shoes and you know what if what if that just fixes it right off the first the first try you know what i mean <laughs> like because I, I i know i know for me uh what works pretty well if i'm training quads um is just using Olympic lifting shoes. Uh, and then I even go a step further and I have a little Versa wedge inside the shoe. And in fact, I'll be doing that tomorrow. Uh, one of the things I really like to do is get on our leg press um, and do a little kind of like a toe out type position with those Olympic shoes. And I find that's like really great bang for my buck, like glute, adductor and quads all in one swift motion uh, on, the, on our leg press. Like I can get super deep uh, super deep mm -hmm. hip flexion. My adductors are destroyed. The knee is bending a good amount. The glutes are still working really hard. It's just like such a great, you know, stimulus for just, you know, getting in a few sets of leg press, you know, like, and I mean, I could not get that deep if I didn't have the shoe and the wedge. So that's kind of like a key component to it. So, you know, I guess, you know, you could argue, oh, you should work on your mobility to try and do that without the wedge. But I'm just like, I got the shoes, I got the wedge. I'm getting these gains and you can't stop me. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, that's my mindset there at least. Sweet. Um, let's go into another topic. Um, I guess we'll do travel next cause I'm excited about it. Um, so I'll, I guess I'll start real quick. Um, just cause there's a couple things that are fresh off of the dome. Uh, cause I just actually did them, uh, while traveling. So first of all, I'm going to start with training specifically and then we'll double back and we can talk about nutrition and traveling. 
Um, I post a little thing in my stories of going to get some sh- uh, like some groceries uh, for my hotel room because I didn't have any heating. Uh, you, it's gone now, but if you saw it, you saw it. And I did realize I didn't I didn't show or buy any vegetables. Embarrassing. So we'll double back on that one. Um, but training though, so I knew I was going to be down there, uh, down well up there, I guess. So one of the first things I did was look up where my work was and where my hotel was, uh, as many would do. And then I scanned the the downtown for. Uh, for gyms. So um, I always shop around for gyms wherever I go to see if it's worth even trying to lift. Uh, sometimes it's not feasible. Like if there's no no gyms that really kind of make sense for your particular sport. Uh, so for me, uh, with Strongman, that's something I often look for. And that's a little bit more rare to find. There used to be really good Strongman gym resources, but I basically just went into maps and just typed gym and looked up what I got. I basically had to rule out a whole bunch of CrossFit gyms because the times didn't make sense because I would be working early. Um, but I did find like what looked like um, a pretty reasonable like mini chain of some sort. I guess it's Fitness Evolution. Um, that's the, the name of the gym that I found. They were open as early as four, and they were staffed at four. So that wow. meant I could go there, sign up, and lift in the same day before my first shift. Uh, so that was a huge deal. Everything else I looked at started at like five or six, which was reasonable. But my day started at seven because I was shadowing. So I really had to, I, I definitely had to emphasize either a 24-hour gym um, or one that I can get into really early and sign up that day, which sometimes it's not easy to find a 24-hour gym that you can sign up for in that 24-hour period. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what I ended up finding. And it was a particularly large gym. Um and the, the week cost, so I just bought a week, and it was only like 25 bucks, which honestly seemed really, really affordable because I've been to gyms where it's like a $10 day pass or a $5 day pass. Even that would have been like you know 25 bucks, so not a bad deal. Um, but yeah, they had a lot of – what? Did you train at 4 in the morning? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because – I'm not even getting into the time change, but, but that was, oh, that's, that's that right, was yeah. seven o'clock my time. So I mean, that wasn't too hard to do, but yeah, so there was a big time change, which I can get into a little bit, but um, they had a lot of great equipment um, and I did have to adapt some. So basically um, I went into the photos uh, like for uh, basically Yelp, I think had the most photos of any of the particular reviews of this gym. And I just scrolled by to look for equipment that was somewhat similar to my equipment. So that way when I showed up, uh, that day, I wouldn't have to be, I wouldn't have to have twice as long of a workout to figure out what equipment I needed to go from to the other equipment to know kind of to best mimic my program. Um, so basically, I did I did all that like pre shopping, um, looked online at all the photos, built what my my substitution program for that week was going to look like for each day, and then I basically went in and executed it pretty well. There are some small changes I had to make. Like uh, I do leg extensions and I went and grabbed a yoga mat, folded that thing about eight times and then added more, uh, put it between my shins and the, the mat to kind of increase the range of motion. Cause it felt like, it felt like I was basically just doing like some sort of like weak ass leg press. Um, so I needed to, I needed to increase that range of motion quite a bit for what I'm used to. Cause I go really deep. Um, and yeah, everything else was really easy to adapt. That was the kind of the biggest thing that I really had to adjust. And then all of the seated leg curls that they had, um, instead of having a, a, a pad on top of the knee, you know, where you like brace against that and then you curl down, it had a, like one on your heel and then one mid leg, like at I've, your, I've seen stand. those. Yeah. I've seen those. I sat in it, did half a leg curl. I'm like, I don't care about leg curls enough to use this machine. It's garbage. <laughs> um, so yeah. I honestly didn't, I, I, I didn't want to, didn't want to bother with that. Um, <laughs> Um, and so I kind of just opted for just a little, like a laying leg curl. So I would have preferred seated, but it wasn't a big deal. I got my, my hamstrings covered and I'm de-emphasizing legs right now anyway. So it wasn't a huge, huge deal. Nice. Um, so you train at four in the morning, eh? I want to hear more about that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, the big thing is I'm on, I'm on the East coast right now. Uh, that's where I live. Uh, I'm in North Carolina. And I went all the way to the other side. So it was West Coast time. So from East time, East Coast time to West Coast time, three hours difference for me. It'd be four for you, I guess. Um, so the time change back wasn't too hard. Um, I fall asleep really easy. So I just kind of stayed up and then 
went to bed and woke up. But um, I normally am awake at about four, uh, my time anyway. I wake up at about 4.40. I head out to my home gym at about 5.30 just because I like to chill. Um, I just had less time. It's not like I could cook breakfast. That took very long. So I had cereal. I had a monster because I couldn't make my, I didn't make myself coffee. I probably could have, but hotel coffee is not great, but the zero monster or zero sugar monsters are always delicious. So I grabbed one of those. Um, I had that or a bagel for my breakfast, went straight to the gym. And so it was basically wake up. And then about 20 minutes later, I was at the gym. So uh, it was more like 420, uh, 430 somewhere when I, when I would actually land and I'd just be right into training and it wasn't very busy. I was going to say, was there a crowd at all? Yeah, the, the crowd showed up every time at about 615 mm. to 630. And they started to like just really fill in right there. But from the four, like the four o'clock to six to six, that was basically no one. There was like five Beauty. other people there. Beauty. And then the employee who's just, yeah. Half awake, yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, um, yeah the, the time change wasn't too bad for me. Um, and I got there, like I left at uh, 3 a.m. to get there at uh, 3 p.m. Oh, yeah, it was a long travel. That's right. I, I told I told a little bit about how brutal that, that trip was on the way there. Um, between being an early day, um, crying toddler literally next to me on the four-hour, four-and-a-half-hour flight, a screaming toddler, I guess. And then yeah, my rental car uh, was... Uh, part of it blew out underneath during my two-hour drive to Bellingham from Seattle. Uh, there was a bunch, um, but I was actually in good spirits that day because I was just excited to go where I was going. So I wasn't too defeated um, and made the rest of the evening just kind of fine, but it was really, really a long day. Yeah, yeah, I, I, could, I could see that. I think, um, like, I know when I went to Calgary, I struggled with the time change um, in the regard where the show was, like, really late, Um on Saturday and like that would have been like let's see for me home, at home in PEI it would have been like 11 12 o'clock like like midnight when, <laughs> when they were basically prejudging us in, in Calgary um and I I felt too like at the time too with the contest prep with the sleep um it was quite tough because I was sleeping you know two to two to three hour blocks for the most part so I would go to bed like I tr I tried and stayed up later like I'd go to bed at like eleven Calgary time but I'd still just wake up at like one o'clock in the morning right and it was it was yeah. very very hard to get back to sleep but I mean I'm doing that like the day of the show where we're literally like gonna be judged like you know like you know sixteen hours later <laughs> so you're you're gonna like this so and actually the viewers might as well so when I was at WNBF Worlds. Um, there, there was a lot of international people there and I went from the East coast to the West coast. So I was yeah. in LA. So basically the exact same time change. Um, I, I'm really good with time changes. Like they don't, they don't bug me and I'm not like bragging. It's just, it is what it is, yeah, but yeah. I do still wake up at around the same time. Um, but it was super funny, um, because you know, next day wake up, like Caitlin's still asleep. So I was like, but you know, I'm not sleeping anymore. Cause I'm just, you know, in prep, I slept the exact amount of hours I was going to. I'm not going to try to go any further because sure. that's just going to be, you know. So I, I went out of the ho uh, hotel room to grab some coffee. And like at basically the same time, four other people had walked out into the hallway and walked towards the elevator. And one of them looked at me and was like, East Coast time? I was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> we, the East Coast people had all gotten out. Well, not all of them, but like four to six of us had gone to the elevator in our particular hotel at about the same time yeah it was yeah. wild it was yeah. very very consistent what, what time in the morning was it again god man i have no idea yeah uh, it was probably yeah. like like five or six yeah, yeah yeah if i had to guess nice nice yeah it, it's something i i never faced i guess as a competitor because i had flown to competitions before but i never went through a big time change because they were all on the east coast so it was something i wasn't mentally prepared for um, I think though, mm -hmm. this time I would just be like, Connor, just chill, like just sit in your bed and relax, you know, although it's, it's a lot easier to say when you're here in the off season, mm -hmm. you're fed, there's no nothing on the line. You know what I mean? You're not stressing, mm -hmm. but you know, um, I think the fact that I was traveling by myself too, at least for that Calgary show, uh, totally just all by myself in my Airbnb. Uh, if I had someone like 
else who was with me who was like, no, like this is your, you sleep like eight hours, Connor, you know, like I probably would have adjusted to that. And this would have been like, yeah, yeah. Like normal human things. Yeah. Sleep, sleep eight hours, you know, like just kind of go with the flow, but (laughs) by myself, I was just a bit of a wreck. So (laughs) Um, if it helps, I don't think, because you said if someone had told you to like, you know, calm down, don't stress. I don't think in the history of anyone ever has the statement, calm down, don't stress out. Helped it's actually helped. Does it help? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> it's yeah. never helped a, a single human being. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> yeah, good point. But, good point. Um, yeah, so like some of the things I, I know I can do um, to help with uh, the transition between time changes is like you can you can adjust your sleep schedule by like 15 minutes uh, over the course of a couple weeks towards the direction that you're going. Um, I think it's better for one direction than the other. I don't remember which one. Um, Cause like it's easier to go to bed. It's easier in my opinion to go to bed earlier than it is to go to bed later. Cause if you have things in the morning that you have to be awake for regardless, like work uh, you can't necessarily shift your wake up time. Mm. Uh, so I think, I think going in that direction uh, tends to be a little bit easier for people who are able to prepare by changing their, their like go to sleep time progressively beforehand. Um, and, but yeah, there's a lot of like sleep hygiene stuff that people can do. And I know, you know, that a little bit better than I do. So. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess, you know, a lot of doctors too, they will recommend like melatonin for, um, uh, for time change and, and, and for uh, jet lag. That's like a, a common thing they'll say is like, it's, in that scenario, it can, it can do well for, for me. It does, it does nothing. It just, you know, I, I think it's good. I think people should use it, but for me in that situation in contest prep, it's not going <laughs> to do a lot for me, but you know, for, for a lot of people it, it may help, um, that, that can be something for sure. And, you know, you have all your other stuff too, like avoid, you know, electronic screens, avoid bright lights, um, you know, um, avoid caffeine, uh, six hours before bed, all those things can help for sure. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. religious with not having caffeine um, six hours. I have, I cut my caffeine off six hours before bed exactly every time. And it's specifically six for me because that's what I've found uh, is, is the number that happens to work. If it, if it was eight, then I'll cut it eight. If it was less, I would be lying to myself. It's not less. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know when I was traveling to during prep, I was actually having more caffeine than I normally would have been too. Cause I was at the end of my prep and I was just trying to keep myself going uh, those last two weeks. So I'm sure that that played a role too in my insomnia, but um, you know how it is the end of prep, you know, you kind of, you kind of creep those numbers up a little bit to make it to the day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I wanted to, to give a shout out to, um, I believe it was um, a segment of nutrition radio about sleeping and uh, athletic performance. And I believe it was Amy Bender, PhD episode 209, uh, where they talk about sleep recommendations um, for, for like basically athletes, uh, her specialty is, um, uh, working with, I guess the students on the Canadian national team. Nice. Uh, so yeah, that was a very informative one. I really, really liked that, that episode of Simon nutrition. So I figured I'd give it a shout out. I looked it up. Sweet. I'll check that out. I could, um, maybe that's what I need. I need a sleep coach, right? I know, I know that yeah, I, I jest, but they, they actually are out there. They do exist. I, I believe, I believe that was her main thing. Yeah. Um, Cause like uh, yeah. they work with a full team of coaches. So there's like the athletic trainer, there's the uh, strength and conditioning trainer. I think her role uh, specifically within that, uh, that role was to optimize the sleep uh, for those yeah. athletes. I, I know for, so. pe- I know for people who struggle with insomnia, like there's, a lot of like cognitive um, behavioral therapy techniques that can be utilized successfully. Uh, maybe that's something for me to look into at some point, but um, you know, right now it's not a big concern, but <laughs> I, I, I think that's interesting that people are, it's becoming a field and it's something that people can, you know, potentially like make a career in or make money in and for good reason. Right. So. Yeah. Um, question. What do you do for uh, training and travel? Uh, I know you said you haven't traveled lately, but I know you have traveled. Yeah. So, I mean, gosh, I just would always try and just do my best. Like you said, I mean, I think the more prepared you are with the plan, the better your results are going to be. Um, that was one thing too, with my show in, in, in Calgary, I wanted to get a, a training, uh, a workout mm-hmm. in on the Thursday before the show, but I just didn't quite have the time to get to the gym after all the travel. Um, mm-hmm. and it was, 
it, it was, I actually, I should have done what you had done and just looked at all the gyms in the area because, you know, basically the promoter Leo King has the gym in Calgary, but my Airbnb was quite far away from, um, from that area, but there was like several good lives I could have just gone to, but for me, I just didn't actually take the time to look that up, you know, as much as I stress about it's, all the other, uh, other factors I should have, just, I could have just gone like to the, I think there was a few, a one, a few blocks over. Right. Mm-hmm. It's funny what, um, like people just kind of, what oversights uh, there are when kind of like preparing for a trip, you hyper fixate on a couple things. So like, I honestly just keep a physical checklist on my phone of like, I'm traveling. All right. What do I need to remember to do? Oh yeah. Training, nutrition, grocery stores, restaurants. Yeah. Um, and then like, you know, the thing normal people look at like sites and entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, those are also on the list, but for me, they're not as high of a priority. Yeah. Another thing that I found was like tough too. Um, and let's, let's talk about this in the context of doing a bodybuilding competition while flying, mm-hmm. right? It's how much stuff you end up having to pack. And, you know, I'd like to hear actually your take on this because I remember, you know, I had my big suitcase, which I paid to be, um, you know, to, to put through the luggage system in, in, in the airport or whatever. And that has to mm-hmm. be a certain weight before they charge you more. And mine was yep. just on that limit. I think it was like 60 pounds or something or 50 pounds, something like that. Probably yeah. 50, if 50, I had to guess. 50, you're probably right. Um, and I, you know, I, was, I everything was in there. Like I had some food items too. Like I, I was trying to make my food list more, um, you know, more particular and just, you know, uh, not have to rely so much on chopping when I got there. So I had things like my rice crackers and, you know, cans of tuna, things like that, that, mm-hmm. that were going in there. Um as well to like scale the way myself, a uh, few changes of clothes. Um, what else did I bring? Um, but, you know, it started to build up with all the stuff I had to take, which I found was, that was kind of frustrating to like prioritize what to take and, and what not to. Um, as well too, then when you get there, you have to make a plan for food, like you said, and then you're you're relying on, you know, the grocery store items, which, uh, you know, at least with macro counting apps and, you know, um, grocery stores these days, it's really not that hard, I would say, because you can get like things like pre-cooked chicken, you know, that has mm-hmm. the, mac- the macronutrients cooked on them. Like it's not, that's not hard to find or, you know, hard to get. Um, and it, it tastes pretty good. It's convenient enough to cook it. So um, I'm curious though, with, with you, Peter, like when you traveled, like what did you take with you when you, when you were flying to shows? Oh man, I can go. I've got, I actually have a lot of very specific detail here. Let's go. Um, yeah. So uh, I flew uh, for, two shows and I drove long distance for two shows and I was local for two. So I did six contests. Um, but for the flights, um, I did it basically the exactly the same. And I tested my process for uh, monster mash. Wait, was that what it, was that it? The name of it? Monster monster mash. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. Anyway, for some reason it just didn't sound right. Probably because it's the stupid song. Um, <laughs> but so I had three bags. I had my carry on. I had my uh, overhead carry. Well, I had my carry-on, my personal item, and my larger suitcase. The suitcase was checked. Um, the overhead item was up, up there, and then I had my um, my car- my like my personal item, which was a backpack, uh, as well. So my backpack had all of my lunches for my travel day. So I had frozen them the day before. So when you fly in an airplane, um, you can go. You can actually bring liquids through the airplane. Uh, they have to be frozen solid for them to go. Really? So you can you can have ice packs. They just have to be one hundred percent frozen. I did not know that. Um, Interesting. So, yep. I, uh, like I said, I, I do a lot of reading right before. So I was, I was hyper-focused. Uh, I read every item on the, uh, on the list of things that could go through, uh, through the airplanes, through the uh, security systems. Um, anyway, so I did, I did, I was pretty, pretty thorough. So you can have an ice pack. It has to be fully frozen when you go through security for the first time. Um, so I basically had on my way to the airport, an ice pack with ice packs in it to keep those frozen. And I transitioned those over to my, to my lunch just to keep those, those things cold. Um, you can have condiments on sandwiches and stuff like that. Uh, but again, it either like has to be hidden in the sandwich or frozen. Um, so I had, a, I had several meals for the day that were in fact frozen, um, two of which were going to be easy to eat when barely thawed. Uh, so that was going to be the first two I ate on the plane because I ate six times that day. Um, so I basically had a small, uh, a normal like work lunchbox with a bunch of small um, Ziploc bag lunches rather than Tupperware lunches. Uh, so that way I was, it was easier for me to thaw those by like setting it in my lap or just like putting it under my leg in the, the seat or whatever. 
I think um, it's worth saying too, like mm-hmm. Cliff had like a highly specific list of things to eat, right? Yeah, but I would have done the same thing. Okay. If cool. it, I just would have had, I would have just had different foods um, for sure. Cause I was, I really focused on eating. Right. Um, I did something similar for another trip where I didn't actually have as specific of food. I went to New Orleans uh, two weeks before and I did fly for that and I did something similar, but with different food selection. Um, but yeah, I also had some like silverware. So it was actually plastic cutlery. Um, and then that was mostly what I had in that bag in terms of food. Um, in the carry-on, I also had um, some of my uh, my pump-up tools. So basically, um, that's bands another and thing. Handles. Yeah, ba- bands. Yeah, packing those for sure. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> that was that was what I was small and um, malleable, so it was easy to move them around. Uh, the things that I also wanted to have in my travel bag, but for overhead, um, I had. Uh, basically, all of my clothes were in that one. So that bag was 80% clothes. And then a little bit more um, of Semite dried, um, dried and not cold foods. So I have two ounce containers from Blender Bottle. They're like little um, little cups that sew into themselves or twist into themselves. So it's a long tube. So I had uh, all of my supplements for the whole week uh, pre-measured into two ounce containers. Um as well as all of my like pump up fuel for like game day. Um, so I had like, you know, like one fourth teaspoon salt. I had my, my Gatorade powder, like all that random shit. Um, I had all those pre-mixed. So I didn't have to worry on my trip. I did all my worrying before my trip. So when, when I was actually out in foreign, in like a foreign place to me, the only thing I had to figure out was how to get places, not what I was going to eat. Um, and then my big suitcase, which had very little clothes in it, was actually a full cooler in it. Um, and that had the remaining meals for, uh, for my trip out. And then at least one or two snacks for my trip back. So I didn't binge too hard, uh, on my way back. Um, and you, you crushed it. I'm, I'm sitting here listening to your methods. And I'm like, I'm jealous of Peter's <laughs> ability to be so organized. Cause I, I felt like I was just kind of more like, um, just nervous. And I, I didn't have a, a coach. So I was, you know, going kind of meal by meal. Um, obviously mm-hmm. I could have had a coach if I wanted to, but I was want to do it myself, but it ended up kind of being like a meal by meal thing. And I had, I had rough ideas, but I was also just like looking at myself a lot and seeing, okay, how are the changes, you know, hour to hour basically, uh, which was cool because you have a lot of control, but it's also maybe not so cool because you worry a lot more than you need to. And then I don't, mm-hmm. you know, all this, um, planning of, foods and stuff it was it what I didn't really have so much of a a list of things I wanted to have like Monday Wednesday Friday or anything like that or meals one through five it was kind of just going one by one and making sure I calculated it and looking at the previous day and kind of making sure I'm being somewhat consistent with my meal choices and what I think I need you know from a calorie macro perspective as well yeah and I I could have been uh probably more uh like on the fly if I needed to be um, if, if I lost a bag, I could have figured it out. Mm. Um, uh, I did have all those meals divided across three bags, like I said. So if I did lose one or three bags or my checked bag, then I, I did have several days to figure out a solution. Um, but like, I, um, I like to front load my stress, uh, not back load it. So that's why I tend to organize a little bit more for this sort of thing. I, as a human being, um, for traveling for fun, I don't pack until the night before and I forget at least four things and I don't really care if I forget. I'm just like, Oh shit. I forgot, man, my bathing suit and we're going swimming. I guess I'm buying a bathing suit, whatever, or I'll go in my underwear or my gym shorts. It's all the same. Um, that's how I normally pack, but in prep, I'm, I'm a whole different person. Uh, in, in that, um, a lot of what I do is designed to minimize stress later. So, uh, that's kind of what my, my travel nutrition things look like. And one other pro tip, um, one, I do like the mini two ounce containers of various things just to keep it organized. But I often, um, if I don't have time for that, one of the, uh, for like some of my other travel that year, um, I just went online and found um, like a bunch of protein samples because they're in like the little tear, tear away bags. Yep. So I just got like, like 15 to 20 of those and I just had a whole bunch available. So I didn't, I didn't have to pack it. I didn't have to label it. I could just scan it if I wanted to. It was all available. It was sealed. So the uh, TSA wasn't going to be like, oh, that sure is a lot of chocolate covered cocaine. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, or yeah. like pre workout and stuff like that. Cause I mean, they always jump into bags if they see, like, if they scan a big, big bag of powder, they generally are going to check that out at least. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it makes it easier to get through security just because, you know, pre sealed bags, stuff like that. Yep. 
I like what you said about front-loaded distress. Um, I was definitely a little bit last minute with my stuff. And it's, it's one of those things where um, I don't know what your work schedule was like, but I, you know, I was, I think when I was traveling at least to Calgary, you know, I'm coming, I'm working all day Wednesday and I'm doing my last workout Wednesday night. Uh, and then I remember I was like phoning the tanners. I was asking about the tanning stuff and I'm, I'm home at like, you know, eight o'clock at night and I'm packing for Calgary, you know, <laughs> for the mm -hmm. next day. I did, I, I think I had maybe a little bit started, but I just, I wasn't in a very, I'd say organized mind frame where I could really, you know, um, kind of sit down and plan ahead for that stuff. It was really just trying to like, you know, keep it together moment to moment. It felt like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll take, yeah, a, I take everything... a note from your book next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'll share my, uh, my spreadsheet and my, um, I think I saved. Oh, do you have like a travel spreadsheet? Like, a? so th the spreadsheet was actually for my contest planning. It had every contest and okay, then it yeah. had like, um, tan, um, well, tan date. Was it booked? Was it paid for, uh, photography? Was it booked? Was it paid for? Um, and it was down the line, all the different things that kind of exist, uh, check-in date. So it was like a little grid. So like, and I had it color coded. So if I left one blank, it would just turn red. So it would remind me conditional formatting. Um, all my, my actual travel planning for what to pack. I just use my iPhone. Um, I use the reminders thing. Um, the cool thing about reminders instead of notes, um, is you can set a reminder to have sub reminders. So you can, you can tree off a whole bunch of items. So I basically had bag and in my bag was a cooler. And in my cooler was these X items. In, my, in that bag next to my cooler was um, all of this pump up stuff. Um, so like I was able to pack, pre-pack all of my bags and then check them off one at a time as they went into my bag. So that way I actually didn't miss them and think that I had done them. So that's a little, little, little Peter's pro tips yeah. for you right there. As you were speaking on that, I was thinking like, I think a good strategy for me would be like, actually like packing like way like weeks ahead before I'm actually like contest lean. <laughs> Just having it ready to go so I don't have to worry about it that far out <laughs> oh yeah like if, yeah. at least having that list ready I'm just like oh yeah I had this list yeah oh yeah this, this still works check 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 works great uh, yeah. one pro yeah. one more pro tip that I've got um and this actually was particularly important to me and I think a lot of competitors have this is traveling with your uh, your body weight scale um one uh, take the batteries out if you can, because uh, if it turns on and dies in transit, mm -hmm. it'll be really frustrating when you get there. So if you mm -hmm. can take the batteries out too, unless it's one of those bat one of those that like stores all your data, and you'd be devastated if you lost it. Uh, they normally have a small battery in there for that particular piece of the computer, uh, like a watch battery or something. But if they don't, and you're afraid of taking the batteries out, don't worry about it. Um, I don't use a smart uh, a smart one. Um, I use. Um, actually got this trick from strongman so what i use is a high capacity parcel scale uh, what that means is i have a scale that's designed for accurately weighing postage items that are above 20 pounds oh. so um because they're they're made for um for companies they're very precise and they last a long time because uh, companies will lose money if they're shipping things like if they pay for shipping and the shipping is wrong thousands of times a day because they're shipping so much um, and it's a high capacity scale. So it goes up to 350 pounds or maybe it's like 400 pounds. Um, and it translates back and forth between kilos quite well. Um, I've got two digits uh, past zero on the scale. So 0.05 is where I can go. Um, no. But what's most important and why I'm actually specifically mentioning this uh, is because they're not made for humans. They're also way more durable, which is really depressing to hear. Um, but so they're actually really robust. They're really, um, they're really travel safe. So they're not going to break in your suitcase. Uh, like a lot of the ones that you'll buy for people. Right. Um, so I highly recommend finding one of those. Um, they're like 40 bucks. Uh, the one I got is like 40, 50 bucks. Nice. Again, they're not made for people. So they're not charged, uh, through the roof for people to buy them. Um, it just, it just weighs you, uh, and it, and it lasts, it, they will last for a very long time. Um, don't, don't be off put by the fact that you're buying something that says high capacity, uh, but I recommend it 10 out of 10. Uh, and they're very, very accurate for weigh-ins as well, which is why I got it for strongman. I was going to say too, um, I've been using the same scale since I started bodybuilding. I remember actually um, in my, was doing my first bodybuilding prep in 2012. And I was like, well, I better buy my own, my own scale, you know, to weigh myself. And I still have the same scale. I've never replaced the battery to my memory. 
And every now and then I'll step on it. It will say low battery, but it will still weigh me, but it never actually dies. It hasn't yet. I mean, eventually it will at some point, every battery dies, but it's yeah, you're going to open it up and it's just going to be like one brown blob of battery acid. <laughs> yeah. It's the same it's, one. It'll I've, just I've say had, kill me in yeah, there. Yeah. I've done, I've done well. I've yet used the same lifting belt since 2013 and the same scale to weigh myself most days since 2012 so those are two things i've I've done well not breaking or losing a good belt you should be able to like pass on to your great grandchildren and it will only be better than the day you bought it because it's been broken in yeah i have a funny story about how i bought it too i was actually this is when i was still a jazz musician and i was playing a jazz gig and uh there was just this guy across the street with a leather shop and uh he like came up to me. He's like, Oh, you lift weights. And I was like, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I have belt, I have belt. Come here. You see. And he was foreign dude. Um, but anyways, he had this, this, <laughs> these boxes, boxes of belts just in the back of his store. And I just bought one off him. He sold it to me for 30 bucks. And I still have oh, the belt. I still have the belt nice. now. It's not quite as thick as some of the powerlifting belts, but it's close to it. And it's, it suits my needs. I've never felt like I needed anything thicker or, anything like that so it's it's fit me this whole time when i get contest lean i'm on the last hole when i'm in the off season i have two or three holes i'm in deep into it so it's like size small i think but um it's been a great belt man love it oh yeah i'm curious do you do you think it's like an 11 millimeter belt or probably even thinner yeah probably like standard or the most common or popular powerlifting belt i think is a 13 millimeter that's what i've got for strongman oh i also have like i have like a bunch yeah, um, my my first one was a thirteen millimeter one. I think this is probably about eleven. Yeah, it's def it was definitely a little bit thinner than the the thirteen. Nice. Yeah, sure. I I like thinner. I think they they a little bit more comfortable. And I've got really, I have like no waist. Uh, it goes from like hip to rib with almost no gap. So yeah. um, softer, smaller belts uh, fit my frame a little bit better. So I like I that. Know. Let's see. Do you, do you have um, any more what? any more travel tips to go over for the people? Travel tips. Um, one thing I did do, um, and this was to make life easier for everyone that was with me. Um, so I think it's worth talking about here. Um, I did some uh, some work trips uh, with uh, while on prep. Uh, it was mostly on the early stages, and then one with uh, with my wife and friends for a vacation. I didn't didn't really stay on track as well for that one, but uh, it all remains the same for the preparation. Um, I did look up um, most of the restaurants that I could find uh, so that way I could at least recommend uh, specific restaurants that looked really easy for me to fit into my diet uh, while not describing that to them specifically. Like, hey, this place looks really good. Uh, I'd love to try this place out because, you know, local food, stuff like that. Um, and a lot of people don't know. You can, you can email restaurants and they'll, they'll like tell you what they are making. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, I, I emailed a couple of places. I was like, hey, like, what, what portion size of chicken do you guys throw on your meal? And they're like, oh, yeah, we, we put a five-ounce chicken breast on this and, like, I don't know, like an ounce of like, – they'll, they'll throw those numbers out. You can convert that over on yourself. Uh, and you can do that ahead of time. So you're like, cool, I know what this meal is going to be like if, if we do go here. And kind of build a little inventory of, like, what ifs or, or stuff like that. Um, specifically for me, we had, like, we went on a work trip and we had all the restaurants we were going to. Um, I didn't have to bug anyone or any, like, I didn't have to do anything really what I didn't have to intrude on anyone, anyone else's experience by being the dieter on the trip, uh, by knowing beforehand the items that I was going to get. And basically the, um, well within, within a range, I kind of chose a couple. So I knew what they would be. So that way I was able to go, you know, make a decision really quick. So people weren't waiting on me, um, and really having, having options. So I wasn't there stressed trying to figure out what I could fucking eat because right. I'm hungry and tired and I'm on prep. Mm. Um, I already knew it. Yeah. I was able to be a little bit less stressed. Um, just kind of have a good time and really enjoy being with people and not thinking about what food I just had to eat or will have to find to eat. And I found that to be just a lifesaver uh, mentally and socially for me. Yeah. I- I'm seeing a theme here and it's all just about, being smart and planning ahead and like being proactive. I think proactive is a good term to use here because, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of that can prevent, you know, um, the the stresses and the frustrations that can come with just, you know, leaving it to the last minute. Right. Yeah. One, one thing I do want to mention specifically, I guess, is 
um, while you are planning ahead. Uh, you don't want to plan ahead in a way that if the plan goes awry, it elicits more stress. Mm. Um, so you, when planning, you need to think of things that's like, this would be ideal or this would be best if. Um, however, have a backup plan or at least know that there are um, opportunities for adjustment because if things don't go to plan and you and you spend all that time planning it, it's easy to get far more upset or nervous or whatever uh, because something suddenly went awry and you yeah. put all that work in. So exactly. there's yeah. a, there's a delicate balance. Um, for me, I try to bring a uh, chill vibes. Um, I don't remember who said it, um, but it was like, you just, uh, one of the things you need to be able to do is plan ahead and have if thens. Um, so I, I have a few if thens as well to make sure that if my plan does go awry, then I'll do this. So I've got backups. So that way I'm not stressing and then really bringing other people into the same kind of space that I am, which is stressed. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I'm not surprised that you, you can travel well too. I mean, I guess too, you, do you travel often for work? Would you say? You know, a lot more recently, um, before I, I hadn't, but I moved up into a more administrative role at the brewery. Um, so I, I yeah. went up for the hop harvest. I went up for something. It was actually just a work party, uh, to be honest. Um, and then, uh, this time was, was another shadowing thing with, um, some like brewing seminars and festivals coming up that I might attend as well. So. Uh, yeah. It's coming, becoming more often, which is super fun. I know for me, when I had finished my season, I told myself I wanted to travel more um, because A, I mean, it sounds like I've been playing the whole time. A, I, I really enjoyed the experience. And, you know, B, I kind of gained, I never flown. It sounds funny. I never flown by myself before mm -hmm. until that last mm -hmm. season. And I kind of gained the confidence that I could realize I could do it. And I was like, wow, this opens up a whole world of opportunities. I could just fly to wherever I want, if I want to go somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually with, um, we'll give a shout out to, uh, the WMBF who's doing their first show in Ontario, which is going to be now the closest WMBF show to me. I'm going to be going there this September. So I'll definitely be traveling for that. So, uh, I, I think what's going to be important for me is just getting more time traveling and just like more repetition with this stuff. Yeah. Uh, because, Comfort makes a difference. Yeah. The, the more I do it, the more adapt I'll be. And like, this will be a cool time. Like, I can still try and be, you know, on point, but it won't be the same stresses as like in contest prep when you're lean, you know, you're hungry. Um, there's a lot in the line. Uh, this will be, there's nothing on the line. And I just kind of want to get the experience of going through the whole checkpoint, you know, the airport stuff and my, my travel checklist and stuff like that, and just get more comfortable with it and get, you know, make it feel like it's not such a one-off thing whenever I'm traveling the next time to compete. Right. So mm -hmm. definitely it's something I want to do more of for sure. Sweet. Yeah, I, uh, I do have more traveling. So like in October uh, this year, I'll, well, in May, I've got a wedding in like 15 hours away in the middle of the US. I don't know. Yeah, beginning of June. So very end of May. It's like the, that, that transition. And then October, I'm planning on going to Ireland. I still need to get my passports up, uh, taken care of. So if I haven't, then I won't be going. So no one call me out on that if I forget and we ruin it. But I do. Be, I am planning on going to Ireland. That'll be for like a ten year anniversary. So like, I'm not going to do any nutrition or training planning. It's just going to be vacation, uh, full on. So I'm going to train hard up to it, and then just I'm just going to travel. It's just going to be fun because my wife, I love her to death. She's not here, so I can speak this loudly. Is not a low stress traveler. Um, about as high stress as it gets. So like even me as a low stress dude, get a little bit stressed just by like absorb it. You absorb it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I absorb <laughs> it. Um, so like, uh, I'm really, one of the biggest things for me isn't going to be to minimize my stress is to make sure that Caitlin has a, as little stress as possible for traveling to another country, like all that stuff. So that's, that's going to be a thing to figure out, but I love travel and I'm, I'm trying to do it more in my life as well. That's awesome, man. Um, before we close out the show, I wanted to give a shout out to some of my clients who are competing soon. So no actually, shout outs. Yeah, yeah. So I have two guys. Um, it, it's cool. It's kind of a cool setup. They're both second year kinesiology students at the university here. They're both, they're in the same classes together. They're both doing the same show, uh, in about two and a half weeks. 
Um, and it, it's kind of a, they have a, this unique experience because the faculty is on strike right now. Right. So it just happens to coincide with the end of their contest prep, basically all their classes and assignments and exams are on hold for now, but they are a little stressed out because they could resolve the strike at any moment and exams and assignments could be back on. So they're like, they're like kind of half doing it, but like half doing their assignments and, and studying and stuff, but at least they don't have the, the class time. So, um, I, yeah. I think, I think they were grateful for that. Um, and uh, I also shout out to my new client. Um, I just met him. He's going to be the president of WMBF in Sri Lanka. So this is a guy who has traveled to PEI Canada as well for university. And he was frustrated with the experience of competing in Sri Lanka because there was no drug tested federation. So this guy here got on Google, found the WMBF contacted Bob Bell and is trying to put a show on in Sri Lanka. It just happens to be living in the same province as me. So I get to meet him on the weekend. He's doing the WMBF Hercules in 13 weeks. Um, and it's, it's going to be fun, man. It's, I'm excited to work with him. So uh, I have some cool things yeah, super coming, cool. coming down the pipe with some competitors. So it's got me excited. Very cool. Yeah. Good, good luck to them. Look forward to seeing um, if, if they're willing to share contest photos. Um, that's always fun to see. Uh, but yeah, I hope it's a good show and may they kill it. Oh yeah. 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 I'm pumped, man. I, so, it's, it's been a while since I've done a peak week document for anyone. So, um, that'll, that'll be, um, that'll be something I'll have to get together soon. Yeah. Them, so. Yeah. That's fun. I'm, I'm excited to, to see it. Send me a copy. I'd love to see, see what your, uh, your stuff looks like if, if you're willing to share. Yeah. 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 I'm, I, a, I'm I will, excited I will. Yeah. To, get to do that. You can, you can help me make it into a, a slick spreadsheet. So. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Sweet. Um, I don't think I have anything on my side, so we can sign off now, I guess. Awesome. So if anyone wants to check out uh, Peter, check out surge underscore of strength on Instagram. Check me out, Jean on Instagram. Check out ATP LLC for coaching if you're interested. Uh, we'd love to have you. Um, but other than that, uh, it's been another fun Tuesday talking with Coach Peter, and we'll see you on the next one. So peace out, everyone. It's always a blast. See you then. 